Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. But it's a human responsibility where we have to respond to that drawing, a place in our faith in Jesus Christ. And that happened. At that moment, I was quickened, we might say. It's a word we don't use. I was brought from death unto life. Physically, I was still alive. But spiritually, I was dead, and now I'm alive. God has the power to do that. Jesus Christ has the power to do that because Jesus Christ has power, but he also has authority and sovereignty to be able to do that. Let's look at number four now. This is where he he is also equal in judgment. All right, so he's equal to the Father. He's equal to the Father in what he does. He's equal to the Father in his power. He's got the same power that the Father has. He's also equal to the Father in sovereignty. He can choose. He can rule over the Sabbath because he is God. And now in judgment. Now, this is a little bit longer passage. Let me read it to you. You might want to have your pens ready because you're going to find the concept of judgment just in these verses five times. All right, let me look at it with you now. Let's begin, if you will, at verse 22. It says, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Now, that's a big question. The Father doesn't judge. Yes, we know the Father judges, but he allows his Son to judge because he is God, and now the Son is able to do the judging. Why would that be the case? Well, if Jesus Christ is the one who came to this earth, if Jesus Christ is the one who took all the sin of mankind on, and Jesus Christ is the one who would save them and forgive them, then it's Jesus Christ who has the right to judge them, both believer and non-believer. Verse 23, So that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And I'm going to talk about honoring them in a moment. So let me just pass that for just right for a moment. Verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, there it is again the second time, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. I spoke to that a moment ago. Now I'm speaking to the issue not of sovereignty as much or power, but I'm speaking to the fact that you are now passing out of death, which means out of eternal damnation, into life. Now, if you will, hold your place here for just a moment if you have your Bible. I'm going to bring out another concept of a verse, but it's still the same truth, and that's eternal life. He has the power to do that. He has the power to judge because he's equal with God. This verse says, verse 24, he says, He who hears my word, Jesus speaking, my message and believes him would be God the Father who sent me has eternal life. So how do you have eternal life? You listen to the words of Christ, and you believe that God is the one who spoke them through Christ. Now hold your place here. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. And here's what you read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, Christ, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So now what he's equating here is just like God is God, I am God. Yes, you believe God, but you believe God sent me and you're trusting me just like you believe God. You're believing God that he sent me and the message is by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. And that's why, because he is God. Now I want to go off on a brief tangent. There are some that will say, okay, does that mean if I just believe in God, that's enough? It's interesting how when you talk to people, especially new believers, and you start asking them, how do you know you're going to heaven? And they'll say, oh, because I believed in God. Or when did you believe in God? Well, I believe in God all my life. Well, now I'm wondering, are they really a believer in Christ or not? So they have this whole thing around God. And so you want to speak to them. Yes, I'm glad you believe in God. But Scripture says that our salvation is not born on purely believing there is a God, 
or believing that God is the omnipotent one. It is believing that God sent his son, that God through his son will help us get to God because God and the Father are one. So how I get to heaven is placing my faith in Christ. Why do I do that? Because God tells me to do that. Why do I do that? Because Jesus invites me to do that. And why will it work? Because God and Jesus are one. So yes, I get to God through Christ, but just believing in God is not enough. That's why James says, there are a lot of people that believe in God. So do the devil. That's not going to save them. So merely believing there is a God or believing in God isn't enough. You have to believe in Christ. Now, step one more step. It's not just believing that, okay, you've got God up here, then the Son is over here, and then you have the Holy Spirit down here somewhere. No, Jesus and God are one, so I am trusting in Christ as the one who died and paid for my sins. So it's through the person, watch this, and the work of Christ on the cross, I'm trusting in. Now, why can I trust in Christ to do this? Because he is God, and he says, I must believe God that he sent his Son. So that's why it's all together. Go back to John chapter 5 now. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about the judgments. All right. In John chapter 5, he then moves from verse 24 to verse 25, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. Boy, is that, that sounds like double talk. An hour is coming, but it's here now. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Well, let's go back to that for a second because it sounds like a lot of gobbledygook in this passage and it's really not. The hour is now come, is coming, but it also now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. All right, let me see if I can make some sense out of this. Taking that passage of Scripture and if you run it through the grid of the Gospels and now also the epistles, here's what you're hearing. Here's what you're understanding. The hour is now here that if you Jews will hear the voice of Christ and trust Christ as your Savior, you then have life and you're not going to come into eternal damnation and judgment. The hour is now coming in the future when there will be others that will come to know Christ as Savior, but maybe not right now, but that time is going to come. There is a judgment right now and there's a judgment right then. So let's talk about the different judgments. Now watch up here for just a second. I'm going to try to use my arms and all of that. All right, we're going to let my, my left arm here represent Jesus Christ, all right? When Jesus Christ died, closed fist, he was buried into the tomb, and then he came back to life, he rose again. So you have the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and he was seen by others. So that's Christ. Now watch carefully. He is speaking before that event and since that event that salvation is for all those who will place their faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now, once I believe that Jesus Christ is God, because if I deny that he is not God, if I deny that he is God, then I, no matter how much I believe in him as a good man, a way sure, or maybe he's a wonderful person who died on this cross, that will not give me eternal life. But I'm trusting him as God who died and rose again. Now, stay with me. When I place my faith in him, now I am united with him. I have died with him. And watch this now. Here's where we get into the resurrection. I am resurrected with him. So we have now is the hour when I trust Christ as Savior, and now is the hour that I have eternal life. I passed from a time of death, and I was resurrected. Now, this is going to get really spooky, but here's where we're going with it. Back in 1966, I was spiritually dead. When I placed my faith in Christ, I was spiritually resurrected. In other words, I was given life. Just like Jesus Christ was dead and had life, I received all of his life, Because I died with Christ, 
and I came back to life with him, spiritually speaking. Now watch this. In the future, though, there's going to be another resurrection. Apart from the rapture that might take my body, it'll transform it. So in other words, that'll be a resurrection off this earth to be with him. But let's talk about those who have died in Christ. Yes, they've been spiritually resurrected, but now they'll be physically resurrected. Should you die and I preach your funeral, we're going to look at the casket. You probably will be in it. I don't know if you're going to be cremated or not. That's another whole sermon on should you or should you not if you're a Christian. But right now, your body is no longer like it is now. It's something else. I want you to know that you will be resurrected. Your spirit has already been resurrected. In the future, when the rapture comes, you'll be resurrected. You'll get a new body. It'll be joined with him. What about the people that died before Christ? They'll be resurrected at the millennium. They'll be resurrected at the rapture. They'll be resurrected during the time of Christ when he comes and sets up his rule and reign. Some people believe that those that are come here during the millennium, or that'll be here during the millennium that die will get a resurrected body. So we are resurrected in the future. Carol says that if you looked at me in my little uh, casket, You can say, yep, that's just the shell of Stan. The real nut's gone. (laughs) And that's true. I'll be gone, and I'll get a new body. Now, let's go back to the passage here, because you need to see a little bit more about judgment here. And it says in verse 27, And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Now, when you read that, some of those that will come to your door will say, See, he's really not God. He's just the Son of Man. That doesn't cause me any problem. For one reason, Jesus Christ referred to himself as being God. He referred to himself as being the Son of God, and his favorite term was the Son of Man. Now, why would it be the Son of Man, particularly in this context? Because he's speaking to Jews. Jews knew their Old Testament. The Old Testament in the book of Daniel, Daniel describes God himself as being Son of Man and God all wrapped up in one. So by him saying, Son of Man, he is also saying, I'm God. And they're linked together if you know your Old Testament and how that comes together like that. Go back to the passage here. Verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Now, listen carefully. This is not the voice for people who are dead that God, Christ is going to speak to that while they're dead, they'll have an opportunity to trust Christ and get out of that dead situation, whether it's purgatory, limbo, or the happy hunting ground. It doesn't matter. This voice he's hearing, now listen very carefully to this. The voice now that they're going to hear is the calling of them to get their new bodies. Now, when is that going to be? I don't know. I know a general event that's going to occur, rapture, after the tribulation, after the millennium, there's going to be those things. He's going to call you to get resurrected. That resurrection will be, watch this now, in one of two locations. While he's speaking generally here, specifically, there are two resurrections. For those who trust Christ as Savior, your body will be resurrected and you'll spend eternity with a new body with him forever and ever in heaven. Those who do not know Christ as Savior, they have not been resurrected spiritually, so they've already died Now they're going to be resurrected, and this resurrection isn't to get a second chance. This resurrection is for them to stand before the great white throne. At that time, they're going to be judged for their deeds, not to determine whether or not they'll go to heaven or not, but to determine the the amount of suffering that they'll experience when they're separated from God for all eternity in a real place called hell. And when will that happen? When the voice of Christ chooses to speak to those who are already dead. 
Generally speaking, there are two separate. How do you know there are two separate ones? Well, you have to, I don't have time to open up all Revelation and all of that, but I think in context you might see that. Go to the next verse, you'll see what I mean. And they will come forth in verse 29, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, new body, heaven, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment, or we could say damnation. Now, when you read that, you're saying, whoa, pastor, for so long I hear you say that going to heaven is not by good works, not by social or religious deeds. I hear that it's only by faith in Christ. Now, there's the verse that says that if I have good deeds, I have resurrection to this life with God. If I have evil deeds, then I'll have a resurrection to judgment forever and ever. So now it is based on the deeds that I do. Now, obviously, when you read that, it could sound like that. And there are a lot of religions and cults that will tie you all up by this particular verse. The problem is now, you take this verse, and if you want to believe it's by good works, and you go to other verses that say it's by faith alone, all of a sudden we have a contradiction. If we have a contradiction, then maybe the Bible really isn't true. Maybe Jesus isn't who we claim him to be and who he claims to be. And so all of a sudden we really don't know, and Satan uses a misunderstanding of Scripture to paralyze us from truth and slow us down. So let's see if I can make some sense out of this. All right, verse 29. It says, they'll hear his voice and will come forward those who did the good deeds. Now, first of all, you need to understand that the word deeds, I don't know what translation you have, but the one I have, my word deeds, is in what is known as italics. When you have a Bible that has words in italics, it's probably a literal translation of Scripture. When they put a word in italics, that's indicating by those italicists that it is a word put in there by the translators, meaning there really isn't a strong Greek word that's found there. So it sounds pretty good. So maybe what we'll do is put a word in there because it's just not clear in the Greek. And so the translators put it in there themselves. However, they know that it's man adding to the word of God and they can't do that to have integrity. So they then mark it in such a way so that you will know that that's not a part of the original writings or the copy of the original writings. It is put in there by a translator. So we could take that word, if we wanted to, deeds, and remove it. We could leave it in there but it'd be stronger to remove it. So let's read it again. Those who did good to the resurrection of life. Those who committed evil to a resurrection of judgment. So now let me ask you, what would be the good that we would need to do in order to have eternal life? Listen carefully. The good we need to do is to place our faith alone in Jesus Christ. When I place my faith alone in Jesus Christ, that's the good that I did. Hold your place here. Go to John. Chapter 3, verse 36. John chapter 3, verse 36. This is important for you to see this. Verse 36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life. Now you see the word obey there. Why would it say obey there? Because the greatest obedience you can do is when the Lord says, Believe on me and you have eternal life. It's a command. You are to believe on him. If you choose not to believe in Christ, that's a willful choice not to, you are disobeying the Lord when he is calling you to trust in him, and that would become, here it is, evil. So when you do the good, which is to place your faith in Christ, you have the resurrection of life. When you choose not to place your faith in Christ, it's because you're disobeying him, and that's committing the evil, which is probably the greatest evil of all, because this is the very thing that Jesus Christ died for for you, gave his life, So you could have eternal life by faith alone. And by choosing not to do that, that's a great evil. And you're then resurrected into judgment. And then, of course, we get to verse 30. And he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. Why is that? Because he is God. 
And God and him do it together. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but I do the will of my Father. And the reason he does the will of his Father is because the Father and Jesus are one. And the last point I want to make, and we'll end with this, and that is simply that Jesus Christ is equal to the Father in honor. Go back, if you will, to verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Would you mark that somehow in your Bible? Why would you honor the Son equal to honoring the Father? It's because the Son and the Father are one. It says, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, it's very important if you understand the context. Who is he speaking to? In the context, he's speaking to Jews who believe that Jesus is a liar, that Jesus Christ is usurping authority that belongs only to God, and he's doing this in such a way that's causing these Jews to really go nuts over this passage here. And now, what he's saying is, if you want to honor God the Father, what you've got to do is you have to honor the Son. And by honoring the Son, you are honoring God the Father. And I might say this, to the degree that you honor the Son, to that degree you are honoring God the Father. Well, in just a few verses, not even a half a chapter, we've learned that Jesus claims that he is equal with God the Father, that the works that he does is equal to the works that the Father does, and he'll continue to do more works as it moves further in the progressive walk of Christ here in Scripture. We also know that At the same time, he has power and sovereignty because he is equal with God and the same power and sovereignty because he is God. We've learned that he has the right to judge just like God has the right to judge, but God gave that judgment to Christ because Christ is the one who went to the cross and paid for all sin, and they rejected Christ. Therefore, the judgment goes to the Son because the Son is God the Father, so God is judging through the Son because they're one. And then finally, the honoring, if we want to really honor God, We honor the Son because when we honor the Son, we are honoring God. And the reason we are still honoring God is because the Son and God are one. Now, in the 40 minutes or 45 minutes, I've unpacked all of this. This is one section of Scripture that is explaining to you that Jesus Christ is God. So when you get a knock on a door or you're sitting in a classroom, students, and someone begins to point out the the value of their religion, I'm sure there's going to be some value in all of them. But any belief system that makes Jesus Christ anything less than God or not God at all is flat out dishonoring to the Son, dishonoring to God, and wrong. And so our responsibility is very much like what Jesus did. Now listen carefully. Jesus didn't say, okay, you Jews, you want to believe that, but this is what I believe and this is who I really am, but it's all really... You know what he did? He hit. He hit. The untruth, the air, head on. And I pray that you will hit the air head on. In the same gospel, Jesus said this, the law came by Moses, watch this, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's what John said. And so when we want to speak truth, bathe that in love. Bathe that in grace. But don't back down from truth because you'll be dishonoring the Father. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, in a moment we're going to pray. And I want to just take this moment here with the heads bowed and eyes closed. We're not praying yet, but I'd like you to maybe prepare your hearts for that. 
I know this is a lot to digest today, and it's quite likely that there are more questions that are raised than we maybe had time to answer today. And I just want to invite you to call me, write me, come by and see me, and let's unpack some of those questions. What about this, and how does that fit there, and show me what this verse means. I, I relish the opportunity because I have confidence in God's word that it does not contradict itself. I have confidence in the Spirit of God that the Spirit of God would not say one thing in one place through the Word and change it. And so I I would entertain your questions. And your questions are good because if you have that question, probably those you'll speak to soon will have that question. And it's okay not to have the answer to the question the first time you're asked, but the second time it's sin if you had an opportunity to ask and get the answer and you didn't. So please... Let's continue to grow in our knowledge of the word. And I have no question that Jesus Christ is God. I have no doubts. And God has given us this wonderful revelation. Now those of you that are, for the first time, maybe really receiving an eye-opening experience to understand that Jesus is God. And now you understand that there is a, a life and death thing and that Jesus died and paid your sin debt and he's God who did that for you. And that if you don't trust Christ, when you die, the voice you're going to hear is his voice calling you to judgment. You won't hear this on every radio and TV religious speaker, but that's the truth. He that has his son has life, and he that has not the son of God has not life, but has the wrath of God abiding on him. And my job isn't here to point a bony finger of wrath at you. My job is to let you know that you're on a train track and the train is coming right at you and I'm trying to let you know that you don't have to be on that track and Jesus is your savior and he'll take you off that track but look to him right now as your only hope to heaven your only hope to heaven it's your only hope because he is God is there anyone in here that's ready to receive Jesus Christ as your savior by faith alone Are you willing to say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I I know I don't deserve to have eternal life, but I'm going to receive the forgiveness of all my sin. And I want to thank you that you'll forgive me of that sin and that I will have a resurrection of life now spiritually and a resurrection of my body to spend eternity with you as we're reunited together with you forever. And Lord, I want to thank you for doing that for me. And I come to you, not promising you that I'll start or stop something. I'm coming to you as a sinner in need of forgiveness. I believe that you will forgive me because you are God who did this for me on the cross. Now, it's not so much a prayer as it is a mental transaction where you are now going to him and him alone for your salvation. Is there anyone in here today that would like for me to pray for you? And when I pray for you, I won't have you come forward, I won't stand up, I won't describe you in my prayer, but but I'll say it in such a way as to let you know that we are welcoming you into God's forever family. But is there anyone here today that would say, I believe Jesus is the Lord. He is God. He is equal to the Father. But I also believe the greatest work he did was when he died on the cross to pay for sin. And he did that for me. This message was for me. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you just silently, wherever you are, just slip up your hand and put it down. Is there anyone today that's trusting Christ? Anyone at all? Christians, for you there was a lot of material today and I'm not always the best speaker for sure, but the truth is the best truth. 
And God loves you. And I hope that now that your faith is assured because it's not resting upon some fable, something that was written by somebody so many years ago that cannot hold up to the test of science, history, prophecy. I pray now that you have stronger faith as you stand for Christianity, wherever you might be, in your world of work, in your neighborhood, or at school, that you'll stand strong for Christ because you have truth. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you not only claim to be God, but we also want to thank you, Jesus, that you revealed yourself as being God to us. And next week, we thank you that you not only stood by yourself, which would be enough, but that you honored your word when you said truth is established with witnesses and that you have left incredible witnesses to the fact that you are God. So, Father, with that, help us now to stand strong as a believer in you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,